Good morning, everybody. It's been great, hasn't it, this morning? We've been focusing on declaring Jesus' name, the most beautiful name, the most wonderful name, the most powerful name. And I want to talk about us remaining in Jesus today, remaining in his name. I'm going to read from John 15, starting at verse 1. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be more, even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can it, you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like branches that are thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may complete. My command is this, this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learnt from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. The word remain in me is spoken seven times by Jesus in this passage. Jesus is emphasizing the importance of remaining in him, or as some versions say, abiding in him. Now, this passage comes after John 13, 14, obviously. Um, In John 13, Jesus is celebrating the Passover meal with his, his disciples, and it's here during this meal that he predicts that Judas will betray him and Peter will deny him three times. Then going to John 14, and Jesus is talking to his disciples about a time when he won't be by their sides anymore. He promises them that the Holy Spirit will come to teach them and remind them of everything that Jesus has said to them. Jesus then continues his conversation with his disciples into chapter 15, and this is where he uses the analogy that they would have been very familiar with. He's using the analogy of how the disciples could continue their future and bear fruit for Jesus, fruit worthy of glorifying his kingdom. Although it's spoken to his disciples at that time, I believe it's relevant for us today, his disciples today. We can glean from the words he spoke then. There's so much in this passage that we could bring out. I've just read so many amazing truths about Jesus being the true vine, uh, God being the gardener, us being the branches, but I really want to focus on what it means by remaining or abiding in him. Remember when Stuart and I first started going out? (laughs) I wanted to be with him all the time, go places with him, experience things with him, and we could talk for hours and hours and hours. I'm not quite sure what about now, but we did anyway. (laughs) 
Phone calls were the worst, and it was before mobile phones. We were at Bible college at the time, and I'd go to my parents in the holidays, Stuart would go to his. And for some reason, Stuart had to go down to the village, to the phone box in the village, for us to be able to talk to each other. We had to make a telephone call date. I'd ring the telephone box, hoping that Stuart would be there to answer it. And then when it came time to hang up, neither of us wanted to say goodbye. <laughs> Do you remember it? <laughs> I don't know how many times to say goodbye, or you put the phone down first, please. I just didn't want to end that contact with Stuart. I wanted to be with him as much as possible. Imagine you've all been in situations where you want to be with your girlfriend or boyfriend, best friend, or even a member of your family that you're very close to. The desire is to constantly be in their presence, to remain with them. You don't really want to be apart at all. You want to stay in their company constantly. Remaining or abiding in Jesus ultimately means having constant fellowship with him, just like we'd want to have with our friends. And this means being with Jesus at all times. So how do we do this? How do we remain in Jesus? I'm going to look at four principles from the passage we've read this morning. The first one is being connected to Jesus. In verse 4 it says, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. From this passage we can see that Jesus describes himself as the vine and we his people as the branches. And without the branch being attached to the vine... There's no connection. Having a connection to Jesus can be separated into two parts. When we were first connected to, to Christ, we were united with him, as it says in Philippians 2, verse 1. We are joined into a relationship with Christ when we have that first connection with him. Jesus did this for you. It was by his grace that he called you into his, this relationship. And when we accept that invitation, the connection occurs. However, it's initiated by Jesus. The second part of the connection is that we choose to remain with Jesus. We choose to linger and stay in his presence. And this is part where the relationship begins to grow deeper. You have a deeper association with Jesus. As Brian Hedges, a Baptist minister in Indiana, said, all believers can have union with Christ, but all believers can also have communion with him in greater or lesser degrees. I first came to understand what it was to be a Christian when I was 16. I went on a youth camp. It was a Christian youth camp. Now, I thought I was a Christian. I went to church every Sunday. I'd been christened. I'd been confirmed. I was a nice person. I sometimes prayed. Actually, when I went on this holiday, I realized there was more to being a Christian than just attending church. Jesus was alive. People could have a personal relationship with him. As Jesus called me to follow him, I accepted. A couple of days later, I was at a prayer meeting, and during this meeting, I had a picture. Now, I didn't know you could get pictures from God, so I was a bit, thought this was a bit weird. But somebody else had a picture in the meeting. They shared it, and it seemed to be accepted. So I went to speak to the leader after the meeting and said, this is the picture I've had, what do you think? And he was really excited, so I thought there must be something in this. Basically, the picture was that I was standing at the bottom of a mountain, and there was a fence in front of me with a gate at the fence. At the gate... There was a path leading its way up the mountain into the clouds. I couldn't see where the path was going, but it was leading off into the clouds. I was stood at the gate. The gate had opened. The connection with Jesus had been made. That initial connection with Jesus had been made. And I'd stepped over the threshold onto the path. 
Now, I could have stayed at the bottom of the path. I could have just looked at the, the path and thought, oh, that's a nice, like a nice path to go on, but I'm going to stay here. It's nice and comfortable. But I chose to start walking along that path. I chose to remain with Jesus. I'm now well into the clouds because I wouldn't have imagined that I'd be here today doing the things I'm doing. But the path's taken me down some dark valleys, but up some amazing hilltops. But what the most amazing thing is that I feel that I'm continuing to walk closer and closer to Jesus as I walk along this path. The connection I have with Jesus is growing deeper as I walk along this path. He's prepared for me. As you spend time with Jesus, the relationship you have with him will grow deeper and deeper. And you'll experience more connection with him. In our busy lives, we can find it difficult to get that time to put aside with Jesus. I believe he wants us to have communion with him in our lives, in our busyness, as well as in our quiet times. I read an article recently that I found useful, written by a busy mum who has found a way of keeping her communication open with Jesus throughout her day. Basically, she shoots up very simple prayers to Jesus as she goes about her daily activities. It consists of two words, depending on the situation. So if it's a difficult situation, she'll say, Jesus, wisdom. In an anxious situation, Jesus, peace. When someone offends her, Jesus, love. I love these examples because this lady stops briefly, takes her eyes off herself, and connects with Jesus first. She then knows she has constant, she's with him, with Jesus, and she has constant fellowship. She knows that he's listening, but she calls on his name first to focus on him before asking for the request. Her eyes come off her own situation and onto God. She then gives thanks for, for her prayers, and she's found a way of staying connected with Jesus throughout her day. A second point of how to remain in Jesus is being dependent on Jesus. Sorry, I'm just trying to work out if the clicker's working. (laughs) In verse 5, it says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Again, look at the analogy of Jesus being the vine and us being the branches. He is the vine, does not not need the branches. The vine itself has enough nutrients, minerals, water to sustain itself, but the branches rely on the vine to give it all its life-giving substances it requires to grow and grow. In fact, Jesus states that we can do, do nothing apart from him. And if you think about it, a branch can't do anything if it's not connected to the vine. The branches are totally dependent on the vine for everything, just as we need to be dependent on Jesus for everything. Jesus had two fathers, his earthly father and his heavenly father, He was dependent on both of them. He was dependent on his earthly father, Joseph, for all the things in his early life. As a small boy, Jesus needed food and shelter, and it was Joseph who worked and provided for him. He provided for his physical needs at this time. We don't read much about his childhood, but what we do know, at the age of 12, Jesus stayed in the temple in Jerusalem as his family traveled back home to Nazareth. When they eventually found him, Jesus said he was remaining in his father's house, as he called it. Jesus knew that God was his father, and he had an awareness of his own identity as God the Son. In the passage that this is taken from in Luke 2, verse 51 goes on to say, Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. At this time, Jesus, who obviously knew who he was in God, actually chose to remain dependent on Joseph as he went back to Nazareth with his parents and was obedient to them. Jesus knew when it was the right time to start his ministry 
He knew when it was the right time to leave home. And it was during that ministry that Jesus states that by himself he could do nothing and that it only speaks as the Father taught him. It was the God the Father who directed his life and Jesus trusted him totally. What great illustration for us today. What a way to cultivate our dependence on God the Father just as Jesus did. As we begin to realize who we are in Christ, that we are also sons and daughters of God, the confidence in our relationship with Jesus will grow. Then, as with Jesus' relationship with his father, we will begin to understand what Jesus would want us to do or say in certain circumstances. And as our relationship with Jesus deepens, we'll start to do as Jesus would do and say as Jesus would say. Thirdly, let Jesus' words remain in you. Verse 7 says, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done. Jesus here is saying that he wants his words, the words that he's spoken, to remain in you. Not to go in one ear and out the other, but to actually stay in your heart and mind. We can do this by reading our Bibles, memorizing verses, even meditating on them, listening to preaching or teaching, even reading books about our faith. However, this can become dry and ineffective if we don't experience these words as living words, valid for our daily lives today, powerful and with personal meaning. The desire to feed off his words and grow in their relationship with Jesus was so evident in the early church, as seen in Acts 2. Here, the disciples devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking the bread together, and prayer. Their commitment to seeking more of God and being in his presence was paramount to them. They fed off the words of the apostles. They worshipped Jesus together in remembrance of his death on the cross as they prayed. Jesus wants us to gain knowledge of his words, for them to become familiar with us. These could be words read in the Bible or words spoken over us personally. He wants us to ponder over them. After all, they are living words spoken from the mouth of our living God, given for us today for our benefit and for drawing us closer to Jesus. These words renew us, revive us, shape us, grow us and cleanse us. I like the thought of Jesus' words remaining in us as being engraved onto our hearts to take a deep root within us. Putting Jesus' words above everything else in our lives, giving it a priority in our hearts, having the desire to want to constantly learn from it, memorize the passage and believing what it says helps us to engrave it into our hearts. Fourthly, let Jesus' love remain in you. As it says in verse 9, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. Jesus states here that he loves us as God the Father loved him. How awesome is that? That Jesus loves us in the same way that his heavenly Father loved him. But what does that look like? That close, intimate and complete love. This is a love that we try to comprehend, but it's beyond my understanding. It's so powerful, so extravagant. There is no love above it. As we're coming to Easter, we're remembering the greatest way anyone can love us, Jesus' sacrifice for us on the cross. Jesus wants us to remain in this love, revel in this love, rest in this love, enjoy this infinite, enduring, unconditional, perfect and life-giving love. He just wants to abide in the kind of love that only he can give. As we allow him to love us, as we allow him to show us how precious we are to him, as we we realize how different his love is from the human love we may have received in our lives, 
And as we learn to accept that this amazing love only he can give, we step into a new freedom and often for some people a new acceptance of themselves. If Jesus' words abide in us, it will change our motives, our desires, our attitudes and the decisions we make. Now this doesn't mean that we come like robots acting in a certain way without any free will. Abiding in his words will influence our attitudes, our motives and our judgments as we live out our lives daily. It will affect how we react in certain circumstances and help us to cope in the situations we face every day. Being loved can also bring with it a deep sense of security, a growing confidence and a great sense of well-being. For some people it may take some time to understand and grasp, but being in Jesus' love is a beautiful place to be in. Remaining in Jesus will be the place where you receive more and more of his love. Jesus also connects remaining in his love with obeying him. As you see in verse 10, it says, If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. And then in verse 12, my command is this, Love each other other as I have loved you. Jesus is specifically saying that being obedient to his commands will mean that you remain in his love. And this command is to love others in exactly the way Jesus loves us. It is his love that drives our actions, not our own desires or selfish ambitions. And as a result, we are able to love others as we remain in Jesus' love. No love is more perfect or sacrificial than this. Now, we've looked at how to remain in Jesus. Now I'm going to look at the benefits of remaining in him. We've touched on a few already. These being, we become more connected to Jesus. We've become more dependent on Jesus. We grow in understanding of Jesus through his words and we've become more aware of how much he loves us. But there are also two more benefits we can see from this passage. Firstly, we will bear fruit. It's mentioned several times in this passage. I like the way the message translation of the Bible writes verse 5. It says, I am the vine, you are the branches. When you're joined with me and I with you, the relation intimate and organic, the harvest is sure to be abundant. From this passage, it appears that you have no option. If you are joined to Jesus, you will bear fruit. But what is that fruit? My initial thought was that it was making more disciples, so adding to God's kingdom. But when I looked at this passage again, there's more fruit that Jesus is talking about. He mentions obedience to Jesus' commands, being filled with joy, loving one another, as well as witnessing to the world. It could also be the fruit mentioned in Galatians, Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. As D.A. Carson wrote in his commentary on John, he describes it as this. The fruit is nothing less than the outcome of persevering dependence on the vine, driven by faith, embracing all of the believer's life and the product of his witness. This fruit that grows in our life is a result of us remaining in Jesus and being connected to him in every aspect of our lives. It will show to the world that we are Jesus' disciples. And even more exciting than this, it says in the passage, we will produce fruit that will last and it will ultimately be for his glory. However, what happens if we don't remain in his words? Verse 6 says, if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. If you do not remain in Jesus, if you choose to separate yourself from him, no fruit can be produced. If we're not plugged into Jesus, the true vine, if we don't remain in him, we will suffer. We'll not have that close relationship with Jesus. 
and will not be able to receive what he wants to give us. And you'll miss out on special gifts he has just for you. The second benefit of remaining in Jesus is our prayers will be answered. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done. Now, wouldn't it be easy to see the second part of that verse and start asking God for whatever you want? However, there's a very big little word here, the word if. There's a stipulation in this verse. It is only if you let Jesus's and his words remain in you that he will provide whatever you ask. We've looked at what it means to remain in Jesus, to be connected, to be dependent, to understand his words and to rest in his love. If all these things are now true, you will start to come into line with Jesus' nature and begin to reflect his characteristics, his values, his desires. As we continue to remain in him, as we, begin, begin, as we continue to be united to him, as we stay grafted into him, what he wants will become what we want. What he desires will become what we desire. We will be in harmony with his will. It is then that we'll have an understanding of his values. We will see things as Jesus sees them. We want the same things that Jesus wants. So when this happens, we will start to pray as Jesus would pray. And as we pray in line with Jesus' will, we will see positive answers to our prayer because it will be in line with God's will too. It's not only in the New Testament we see this concept. David in Psalm 34 verse 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Note here you've got to delight yourself in God first before he gives you what you want. God first, answer prayer second. In conclusion, remaining in Jesus is exciting. Abiding in Jesus is an ever-moving process, like the path in my picture. I knew I had to walk along that path, and I still have to walk along it today. I don't know what's around the next corner or the next cloud-covered hill, but what I do know is that as I walk forward, I am remaining in Jesus. It looked different from what I've done before because the path is ever-changing. But I need to remain in Jesus for this moment. I don't want to miss out what he's got for me now. If I look too far forward or if I look behind at the exciting things he's done before, I might miss what's for now. I need to be where I am on this path at this time. As has been recently said in church over the last few months, God is the God of I am. He is the I am of this moment, of today. Focus on what God has for you now. Leave the future with God. Leave the past with God. Remain in the now with Jesus for this moment. Then move on to the next moment. And then the next. And then the next. I'd actually written most of this sermon before Brian preached last week. And he was talking about transformation. How God can use us ordinary people to do extraordinary things. I believe transformation will take place as we remain in Jesus. Through being connected to him. Being dependent on him remaining in his words and his love. I've given you a little snapshot, a small picture of what my life looks remaining in Christ, the journey I'm going on. But what does it look like for you? How do you think Jesus wants you to individually abide in him? My prayer for us this week is that we will grow more and more in understanding of what it means for us personally to remain in Jesus each and every day.